Welcome to episode 1120 of The Sleeper in the Bus. I am Justin Mason, joined as always on Sundays by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing wonderful. Uh, this battle station is now fully operational because I have Google Fiber. Uh, I am thrilled. I've waited a long, 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 long time, and I have Google Fiber running into this machine. Uh, and so I think I'm good. And if I sound a little bit different, uh, I think I've got my mic issues fixed, too. So doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Been raining just nonstop here for the last few days. Uh, got a little short reprieve before I think it starts again uh, tonight. But we have a guest, a special guest, one of my best friends in the industry, a guy I love, a guy that's everywhere at this point. It is Casey Bubba from Gaining the Edge, Fan Tracks, Fantasy Pros, Baseball HQ, The Bench with Bubba podcast. The Bubba and the Batlip podcast. The Bubba and the Bloom podcast. Always press DFS. Team Blackbook. Whoa. Like, just waste too much shit going on with Mr. Casey Bubba. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks for um, having me on the show today. I need to hire Justin to just walk around with the megaphone behind me, apparently, because no one can be a hype man like that. But uh, thanks for having me. It's going to be fun. Looking forward to seeing you guys. It's been only like a couple months since I saw you guys in person, so this is good. I know. Right. We just, I, I, I already miss Arizona. Like I'll do my uh, best Eno Saris impression, so we'll be good. There we go. Well, my wife was listening to that live podcast uh, last night and just giggling the entire time. So hopefully uh, uh, people enjoyed that. Uh, I enjoyed doing that. I enjoyed seeing you in Arizona, my friend. Uh, remind everybody where you can reach on social media and then talk about everything you got going on right now. <laughs> we don't have that much time, but I'm on Twitter at <laughs> BDentric, so you can find me there and I tweet all the stuff out. There mainly it's the podcast a couple times a week. Uh, Toby and I, our bat flip for those that don't know, just started back up this past week after a little break. Uh, Bloom and I have been going strong the whole off season, and that's a lot of fun. We did a live draft on uh, YouTube for that. But the new ventures, uh, gaining the edge fantasy G uh, on Patreon. So check that out, Patreon dash uh, GTE Fantasy. It's with Mike Simeone, Mike Curlin, and Jorge Montanez, who you'll be hearing from in the upcoming weeks. Mm -hmm. So go check them out. We got our rankings coming out, and a lot of other fun stuff. Uh, it was kind of a thing we started because, as you guys know, working in this deal is there's lots of fun stuff, but sometimes you just want to do it your way. So we said we're, we're four buddies that said, you know what, let's just do it our way and have some fun doing it. So that's what we started this year. Yeah, a great group, a group of guys you uh, have assembled over there and Mike Curland, who will be on. Uh... <laughs> I literally just I just texted him before we started. I said, hey, I'm going to go on a sleeper on the bus right now and talk trash on you, Curland. So so make sure you listen. <laughs> yeah, uh, he'll be uh, he'll be on next week's episode. I booked all four of you guys for upcoming episodes. And uh, as I was telling Jason before you hit the record button, I have booked pretty much every Sunday on the, through, I think, February 12th, uh, not including Christmas and New Year's. Obviously, we'll be taking uh, those weeks off. Maybe I will try to do something midweek extra. Uh, We're not going to live stream opening presents? Come on, dude. No, I, I, I don't think that that would go over well in, in the Mason household if I tried to do that. Uh, Pick maybe I'm sure your daughters okay. would love me because I'd be like, okay, let's do it early because my kids, so that would be like 5 a.m. at your house because that's the only day of the year. I mean, my kids are 17 and 15 now, right? Uh, but they still, it's the only day of the year where they wake up without any prodding at all, like at 6 a.m. Yep. And it, it happens every year. Like, you know, they got to be out the door. Their ride for school is 645. So they got to be up and like every day I'm fighting my son every day but christmas day his ass will be up at 6 a.m still yeah i trained my kids to kind of live on hawaii time so that way they'll sleep in 
Um, so the earliest my kids get up nice. on their own is typically like 7 a.m. So uh, and usually, I mean, this will be now what I think the second or third year on a row that I'm not working overnights. But typically when I worked overnights, I would come home and everybody would still be asleep at like 830 in the morning. Um, wow. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't dream, have that man. So, There's no waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning. on. Yeah, so, it was such a tradition day. doing that all the time. Um, it's the best. Yeah, I, I saw something that my mom used to do, which was uh, if you wake up before the parent wakes up, you are allowed to open up your stocking by yourself. But don't you dare wake up anybody else in the house until they just wake up. So uh, that's that's how we roll here. So, uh, but enough about our Christmas plans. Let's jump into uh, all the amazing topics we've got today because we have some signings I want to cover. We're gonna cover. I'm gonna cover the rest of the previous signings with Paul on Monday. But we had some ones that happened over the weekend that I want to talk about. Uh, and then we're gonna talk about some guys who have some interesting ADPs in draft champions since kind of mid-November was was my cutoff. I didn't want to go back to the beginning, uh, but I wanted to kind of give us an idea of, hey, some of these guys are going in some weird spots here. Uh, but let's start with a friend of the show, Kevin Kiermeyer, who has signed a deal to be the center fielder in Toronto. Uh, Jason, you're our resident Ray guy, but Kevin Kiermeyer is no longer Ray, Ray. How are you feeling about this? Bye. No. Uh, as I said on Twitter uh, last night, in all seriousness, I will miss him in the field. He is he has spoiled me for all other center fielders. I mean, there are times when I'm watching any game, something happens. I'm like, man, that ball was catchable. And then I forget, oh, yeah, I've watched literally the best center fielder in baseball for so many years uh, do these things. Is he flawless? No. No. I mean, he has his issues. There are times – uh, when he will like, and he's matured from this, but there used to be times where he would he would make throws that his arm couldn't cash. Uh, to use the line from you know whatever you're making checking cash. I forget the sports movie. I'm drawing a blank. Somebody will remember. But anyhow, Kiermaier used to try to throw everybody out, and the trail runner would advance. It would drive me insane. Uh, he stopped doing that, but he's great gap to gap. This is what Toronto needed. I mean, to get some real baseball before we get to the fantasy side, this is what Toronto needed. They needed defense. Last year, it cost them in the outfield. They didn't have a, a great – that's why they went out and made some acquisitions. But they needed this uh, defender. Now, if I'm a Toronto fan, I'm a little freaked out losing Teoscar Hernandez and gaining Kevin Kiermeyer because, yeah, you're getting a whole bunch of defense, but you're losing a ton of offense. It, it cannot be understated how bad Kiermaier is as a hitter, and this is where it gets the fantasy perspective. He doesn't hit lefties at all. Uh, the ones he hits may be a, a, a bleeder or a matchup that, a type of thing, but lefties are a problem for him. And he struggles with high-velocity uh, fastballs. He, he just never lays off him. It's one area of his game he's never uh, fixed is he will continue to chase the high fastball, not only in two-strike counts when he kind of has to, but in non-two-strike counts, and that's what kills me. It's like you're not going to do much with that baseball. The numbers say you stink at it. Stop swinging, but he he doesn't. Uh, you know, to me, it's you know when you go and then you look at the track record. You know, let's throw a, a poll out here. When's the last season that he had at least 500 plate appearances? Any guesses? I'm going to guess 2016. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and Bubba? Uh, it'd probably be seven. I'll go 2017 to see that 16. It's been a long time. I know that much. 2015. 2015 was the last time he's had a, and it's his 
nearly full season. Since then, 105 games, 98, 88, 129, skip 2020, 122, and 63. Uh, now, playing on the turf half a season, certainly a factor there. And let's not forget, it's been more than half a season because it's been the 81 games at home. You know, if he plays all of them, then the nine in Toronto. So there's 90 right there. Uh, and now he is doing the same thing. And so it's like, to me, it was shocking that he decided he wanted to go play there because I heard rumors he wanted to come to your neighborhood. Uh, and that certainly would have made more sense for his body. Uh, I haven't even seen terms of this, but him on the turf, you know, it's like in 2021, 390 plate appearances. To me, that's where it, like 400 plate appearances. That's what you should project. That's what you should expect because the body has broken down year after year after year uh, because it's the way he plays. He goes after everything gap to gap. And that's where I have a, um, I don't like this for him for his fantasy value because it it just takes all of the risk that have been with him in Tampa Bay and goes north of the border and just continues. Uh, and he's always been kind of an end game. Oh yeah, he's fast, but you know he's had problems on the base pass. Uh, the only upside I would see is that with the new shifting rule, he can beat out some infield hits. So I would expect the batting average bump this year because now that he won't have three guys in the left of the right side of the infield anymore he can beat out infield hits with his speed. He could also get hurt trying to beat out one of those infield hits. But I do expect a batting average buff from him. Uh, and so, like, he had 228 last year, 259 the season before, 228 the full season before. So, I, you know, I would expect something in the 230, 240 range. Uh, but – and maybe uh, maybe 10 steals um, with that, but that's kind of it. Uh, and he's really a one-category guy, and he's going to hit in the bottom of that lineup. Uh, where he should, you know, that's where he belongs. He belongs hitting eighth or ninth in that lineup. Bubba, what are your thoughts on Kiermaier in uh, Toronto now? Well, the, the Rays expert nailed it because it's pretty much, to me, it's a baseball move. This isn't a fantasy move in reality because, like like Jason was saying, it's a, a defender that Toronto needs very, very, very badly in center field. So that's where this comes into play for fantasy-wise. It's the old catch-22. He's going to hit eighth or ninth with limits the at-bats, which we always talk about over and over again mm -hmm. is you need at-bats. But he is also going to be in alliance with score a ton of runs. So if he can just get on base, he's going to he's going to rack those up when it, the lineup flips over. So I'm not saying he's fantasy viable to me. I won't have any Kevin Kiermaier in my world. But uh, in, in those people deep deep leagues like Justin plays in, you'll probably need to look at stuff like that. And um, I, I wouldn't think too much. Low batting average, not a lot of power, maybe some steals. I think the runs might be the thing that surprises people this year, just being in Toronto. But I don't see a lot to be too excited about because the platoon is going to be real. So not a whole lot going on there. He's also the only projected left-handed bat in that lineup. That's why I was looking at the roster resource yeah, page. It, it's like, it's not pretty. There's going to be a few and, more moves made there, too, to make it happen. And to kind of piggyback on what Jason was saying, like, he hasn't had 400 plate appearances in a season yeah. since, like, 2019. Like, I, I, I don't think I'd project him for 400 plate appearances. I just, I wouldn't. I, I think so, 50 uh, is about <laughs> as high as I'm going. So, question for you. Like, with all this we just discussed, why not just keep uh, Tapia in the picture? That's the hundred percent the first thing. I'm like, they already had this guy playing the outfield in Toronto. Like, what just have happened there? Probably a lot cheaper too. I, mean, I guess they 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 were looking. I need a defense, but again, if we combine the real baseball perspective, you got George Springer in right field, who's got trouble staying healthy, uh, and now you, and you've got Guriel Jr. who doesn't. I mean, they need a center fielder that covers range. They didn't get Nimmo, uh, and uh, frankly, they should be happy they didn't go eight years on him. I'm I'm guessing they were the team that was willing to go seven, which is why 
Uh, New York went eight. I don't have a problem with the minimum money. It's just the length of time on that contract to me. On the guy, he's been so injured. Like, it's crazy. But... Yeah, but that's so that's where I see it. I mean, again, this was a real baseball move, but it does absolutely it does next to nothing fantasy wise because all of the red flags that have followed this guy are going to go north with him. None of them, none of them are eliminated. Uh, and you guys already know my thoughts. I, I have I have tried to avoid him on, on teams mainly because he still blocks me on Twitter. <laughs> I didn't wait, know that. Wait, Nemo, Nemo has you blocked on Twitter? No, 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 no. Kiermaier. Okay, good, good. I, was, I think I was like, critical of something. I can understand day. probably. I could see Kiermaier on some maybe some rants you had during a Rays game, like, but the Nimmo thing would have shocked me. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what it was, but all of a sudden one day I was like, oh, okay. You know, uh, I may have criticized, like, please lay off the high fastball because I'm not one of those guys that goes out there and tags players. Yeah. I don't. So if something came up, uh, somebody was name searching, <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know, but I do not tag players. Yeah, smart. All right, let's uh let's move on to uh the big signing that happened like as I literally as I was uh doing the show notes last night, Kodai Senga uh signed a deal with the New York Mets for five years, 75 million, I believe it is. Uh Bubba, I mean, this is a you know Japanese import. We've never seen a pitch in the major league level, uh, but he's gonna be jumping up the ADP uh as as we speak, he is climbing. Uh what are your thoughts on saying, is he a guy that you're going to be targeting coming into drafts for 2023? It's, it's an interesting one. There's like the baseball side of it we talked about before the show, five years, 75 million. When we look at like the tie on the Walker deals, like the AAV is amazing, no matter really what he turns out to be. That's like good for a third or fourth pitcher in any team this era. Um, and he should be the third pitcher, obviously, behind Verlander and Scherzer. So that's a, a great move for the Mets. Fantasy-wise, it's tough, you know, not seeing him. Um, he's going to be 30. He's got a great repertoire, as you'd expect from most Japanese pitchers. The splitter looks really nasty. He can throw high 90s into the hundreds at times. Uh, we've seen a lot of good footage on him. We have not really seen it in, in our on our world over here. But um, I probably won't have any as the downside because he's already moved up to, like, almost a top 100 pick, and that's just too rich for my blood type thing. And I'm a, I'm a cautious drafter. Not everybody's like that. If you want him, go get him. Um, you're gonna have to pay the tax. What's gonna come down to? He's a, fl- a flashy name. He's going to the New York market. It's gonna be an expensive, expensive draft pick for you. That could pan out well. A lot of the stuff I was reading this morning to try to get an idea of what the thoughts were on him. Um, they say he's got the talent, the ceiling to be a legit third ace. Like if Verlander and Scherzer left, he could be an ace in that rotation, which is fantasy gold at even pick 100. But he also has a floor we haven't seen yet that could really make you go, "Wow, I just drafted Taiwan Walker in the top 100." So where do you want to go in that? That's mm-hmm. the tough spot. I'll probably be laying off of the he, the talent looks immense. There could be tons of strikeout upside. Tough division as well. So keep that in mind going to the uh, NL East. There could be some bumps and bruises along the way. What are your thoughts on saying, uh, Jason? Is he your target for you? Uh, yeah, everything uh, Bubba said, and I, I just love the fact that his, his splitter is called the Ghost Fork, uh, yeah. and yeah, that's that's the great. He's got a great. Why can't name we have fun it? names like that over here? Like they have all right? kinds of nicknames. They have all kinds of nicknames for stuff in, in Japan. We have the yeah, Pitching Ninja had a nice. Yeah, we have the Slutter. Uh, <laughs> Pitching Ninja had a nice little video showing the grip of it, uh, and it's worth watching because it like it rolls off his middle finger, and the way he throws it, uh, it in the slow mo, it just it, it's beautiful to watch I, I really enjoyed watching that uh this morning uh with that but like all the highlights i've seen of them have been of that fastball and the ghost fork it hasn't been the other stuff and i was reading uh keith law's breakdown on the athletic this morning about it uh where they you know it's uncertain about the role forward uh with things and they said he could be a long man swing man could be like seth lugo but what they're paying him as we discussed off air you know that's starter money 
But at the same time, you look at the depth chart, the amount of arms that are all healthy right now that they've added to this uh, depth charts, you know, it, it maybe they ease him into that role. And I agree with Bubba. It's tough using a top 100 draft pick on somebody they're going to ease into the rotation because it's going to be really tough. Like he's going to be on your, I can't cut this guy list because I spent a top yep. 100 pick on him. But if he's working one or two, you know, one or two innings and outing for his first month of the season, you're going to be like, I, I got to do something. I, I, no, I, I need, I need him out. Uh, especially once the injuries settle in and you, know, you have seven man bench spot and five guys are hurt. So uh, I don't want to put myself in that position um, in a thing. So uh, not somebody I'm going to targeting because he's got that working against him. Plus he's got the, the big media market tax as well yeah I was, I was looking at his baseball reference page he's not on fangrass yet another thing is we, we sometimes forget about those the japanese players they only pitch once a week because of their schedule so you look at his innings pitch totals like he was 148 last year which isn't bad but he hasn't been above one he's had 180 pitches in 2019 innings pitched other than that it's been 148 or below every single season since 2016 so like how deep is he going in games like you said easing them into a type situation it'll be really interesting to see how they utilize uh, Singa to, to make it fantasy viable for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he's currently going about pick two hundred seven. That's well, he just went. I, I was talking to Curlin. He's in a draft. He just went at pick one hundred six right now. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, that's going to get cut. It's going to get cut in half now. That's the big sign out of the game. Yeah, <laughs> that was a big time. Oh, the Mets shine. That's what I say. It's a shiny new toy. He's going to mm-hmm. move. Yeah, he's absolutely going to be. Uh, going inside that top 120, 130, I think would be, um, I guess. That's Can I add, I want to add a couple of notes about the Mets, though. The funny thing, mm-hmm. I was talking to a good friend of mine this morning, big Mets fan, and it's like the Mets projected, and, and, and Spotrack tweeted this, the Mets projected luxury tax bill is more than the entire 40-man opening day tax payrolls for the A's, Pirates, and Orioles. Their luxury tax bill, yeah. um, their their luxury tax plus their their entire salary is going to be somewhere around four hundred twenty five million this year. Um, and then when you look at their active payroll, not only is Bobby Benilla still on it, um, Brett Saberhagen, Brett Saberhagen has two hundred fifty thousand dollars coming from the Mets this year, uh, and this is the final year of the Robinson Cano twenty something million dollars. Uh, so it's and you know. Not 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 fantasy related, but I love what Steve Cohen's doing for this. It's like, hey, you know, owners, you have money, spend it, and, mm-hmm. and he's doing it, and he's going to either force people to spend or force people to sell to people who want to spend. Uh, so I'm all for this, uh, and it's just I, I love the move. I love what they've done in the offseason. Yeah, it's not like they were adding to everything else. It's, it's a little bit of some, you know, obviously they lost to Grom, bring in Verlander type of thing, um, but it's, it's like I love that. This is why owners were afraid to bring in Steve Cohen to begin with because he was going to spend money that they didn't have. Um, yeah. Air quotes uh, for those of you guys only listening. Oh, they have it, and and he has it too, and he's spending it, and I love it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I mean, I love it. The only problem is it's going to uh, it's going to muddy these waters, right? Uh, there are some people who were getting excited again about Tyler McGill. Um, there were people getting really, really excited about David Peterson. Uh and now it looks like they could be on the outside uh, looking in because I don't think they're going to start him as reliever. I mean, no. yes, he's used to being pitched every six days. Maybe this becomes a six-man rotation uh, of sorts. Mm-hmm. Not uh, with Scherzer but, or Verlander, not a. Ch- 
Yeah, yeah I mean the Astros did it. The Astros did it with Verlander for times last season. Yeah, but that was him coming back off for missing time, though. Yeah. I, I, These guys I got paid. And they're pitching. That's <laughs> here's but here's the, here's where I see this coming into play. I mean, we don't have to. All we have to do is look back one year and look at the invincible Dodgers, who we all thought were just mm. going to be this amazing team, and they ran out of pitching. They simply mm. did not have enough pitching to continue it. And so, if I'm looking at this and on the Mets, I'm like. I'd rather have too many arms and figure out how to deal with them than not have enough and then have to go pay the 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 trade tax at the middle of the year to say, oh, God, I, I guess I got to trade Francisco Alvarez for that starting pitcher I desperately need because I don't have any I don't have anybody else coming up. I'm out of options. So it's like, again, we all thought the Dodgers were just going to coast along and they simply ran out of arms. And if I'm the Mets and I've got the right I've got the resources to do this. Yeah. yeah it sucks for us for fantasy purposes, because you're right. It's going to be the haves and the have nots in that rotation. Uh, and, and the bullpen, the bullpen's pretty set. You, you got Rayleigh, you got Robinson and you got Diaz. That's seven, eight, mm-hmm. nine. So we have a lot of clarity in that regard. You're, you're, you know, you're one and two and even, you know, you're three. I would say Jose Quintana is probably the safest. Uh, or Carlos Carrasco, but that fifth starter role could be four different heads. Uh, and that middle relief, somebody's going to become that middle relief vulture and get a bunch of wins for this club because they've got it. Uh, it's just a matter of who it's going to be, like how Tim Mesa stepped up uh, for the Jays last year and picked up all those wins. Uh, you know, somebody's going to step into that role for this New York club and pick up a bunch of wins that that four headed monster at the back end of the rotation doesn't get. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be concerned about like how deep you can go into games though, because uh, you look at either 148 innings over 23 starts. That that works out to six and a third on average. Um, so like that's that's fine. Like I, I think he will probably throw 180 innings. Um, I think he's gonna rack up uh, a lot of wins on a really good Mets team. I think he's gonna rack up a lot of quality starts on a really good Mets uh, Mets team. Um, I really like Cody Sanga. Would I take him inside the top 100? I think that that's a risk. I, I I don't know that I'm taking him inside the top 100. I, I think he right. probably I, I will finish his projection tonight now that he signed. Uh, but my guess is he's going to fall like around the top 50 in, in terms of starting pitcher, and that that's I don't know that's top 100 guys. So, yep. all right, uh, let's uh, move it right along. Uh, do we care about Trevor Williams signing a two-year deal in Washington, Bubba? The weird thing is I used to like and care about Trevor Williams, but uh, the way things have gone lately, no. And plus Washington, how many games were we winning in Washington? Let's be real. Like how many games? Like I've said it on too many shows lately. One, like There's a lot of amazing talks at, at first pitch. Uh, but one thing that was so simple is uh, Rob Silver's talk about outlining wins and how they're available in baseball. And it just came down to don't take pitchers on bad teams. It really came down to that. So why are we taking a not-so-great pitcher on a very bad baseball team? Just cross it off. It's an interesting rotation if Patrick Corbin <laughs> can ever become even half of what he was. Uh, and Josiah Gray couldn't make any sort of improvements that home run rate. But um, yeah, they're not good. Uh, Jason, you care about Trevor Williams? Uh, well, we have to speak to different league formats. So in a draft and hold, I care about him. You know, yeah, and, sure. and so no. we, we got we to gotta look at that or, or a 12 team NL only. I yeah. care about him. Uh, so I know we have some listeners to do that. And so I'm going to say, yes, I am interested in him. I, you know, some things that happened and like, if you look at his profile, you know, if I were to tell you that Trevor Williams has five pitches with a whiff rate of 20% or higher, you're like, really? Because honestly, I didn't know that. And I would say the same thing about you say Kikuchi. Cause I was, I tweeted this yesterday. That dude's got four pitches with whiff rates of 25% or higher. But when he misses, he misses badly. Uh, cause it's with the walks and the home runs that killed him. But you know, when he's good, 
it's there. But with, with Williams, so he's got that going for him. And then last year he cut way back on the slider, which was long overdue because it was a garbage pitch for him. Uh, and so he started throwing more four steamers uh, and got rid of the slider. So he made some progress in that. Uh, and if you look at the numbers last year, the changeup was just, you know, the, the difference between the batting average and the expected was almost 60 points. Uh, so he's got some room for improvement. So in a deeper NL league or a draft and hold, I do handing on the matchup or matchups that week. Uh, am I taking him in an active phase uh, of in either of those formats in the first 23 rounds? I hope I don't have to. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it's somebody that I, I, I you know look at it and it's like, maybe, maybe something could come depending on the matchups, but he is definitely not a set it and forget it guy. Um, so like, uh, the, what is it? The, uh, gladiator league, no chance. No, not absolutely. Um, no. uh, but in the other ones, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think especially in super deep formats, draft and hold, uh, and only he makes sense, uh, because he's probably just going to rack up a ton of innings. I mean, this is a, um, a bad team that has no reason to not just let him soak up a bulk of, you know, these innings. And you've got guys like Mackenzie Gore, Kate Cavinelli, like these guys like that are unproven and coming off injuries themselves, both those guys coming off injuries. And the good news is it's a more balanced schedule this year, so it's not mm-hmm. going to be all Atlanta, all Philadelphia, all New York. It's a, it's less of those teams, so it's got some more balance. And you don't have to have that that extra tax of, oh, God, you got to play those monsters, uh, you know, face them potentially three, four, five times in one season. Yeah. All right. Uh, last guy, uh, another a minor signing. Victor Reyes signs minor. a minor league deal uh, with a spring uh, uh, training invitation. I only put this on here because as things stand right now, uh-huh. he could be an everyday outfielder to start the season. Bubba, you care about Victor Reyes? It goes back to what Jason said. <clears throat> if we look at league context, depth of leagues, yes. Um, I'll even admit there's been times in deep leagues where when Victor Reyes is with Detroit and you have injuries, he would be rostered from time to time. Just going to throw it out there because he hits for average. He's got a little bit of speed. Uh, if you get like wherever to compute a full season out of him, maybe he's better than Kevin Kiermaier who we started out with, like when it comes to offensive fantasy stats. Um, and the thing is, you mentioned you look at roster research right now, the White Sox outfield is depleted. Like as much as we all love Lou Bob, like let's be real. How long, how many games is he missing again this year? It's it's a frustrating reality in the situation. So Victor Reyes could really I wouldn't be shocked if he fell into like 80 games or so, if not more. They need an outfielder out there. The White Sox need a lot of depth. They have a, a they should have gotten Nemo, but um they, they need a lot of help out there. And Victor Reyes, weirdly enough, will probably have some upside at some point in the season. And like to Jason said, he's a, I think he's a great draft and hold pick. I, I would I wouldn't mind picking him up somewhere late in like round 40 something or whatever and throw him on the roster. Jason, uh, this is the new Adam Engel. This is what he is. I mean, and, oh, and the man. thing is, well, but the difference, true. you know, Adam Engel is a righty that couldn't hit lefties. He was a righty that was good at righties and he's got blazing fast speed. Well, you know, Reyes is a step slower in that regard, but Reyes does switch hit. And so he's got some, uh, got some value there uh, in that capacity. So he's the new Adam Engel. So if you think about how, you know, Adam Engel, when he was used too much, was terrible, but he was the cheap speed source. And perhaps that's what Victor Reyes can be if Pedro Griefold lets him run. Uh, to that capacity, but I don't think Chicago's done here. I think they're looking and holding out for another outfield bargain because there's <laughs> their depth chart just doesn't have it. You know, you look in the minors, there's nobody ready to come up uh, in this capacity. They, they cannot have Gavin Sheets out there in the outfield anymore. 
that's not pulling it off either. So they, they, I think there's more to come here. Uh, but again, again, this is a, a draft and holder, a deep AL uh, league type of uh, target. Yeah, I mean, I do think that there is there's another move coming at some point because, like I said, Adam Angle or not Adam Angle, <laughs> um, Gavin Sheet shouldn't be playing outfield. Uh, Andrew Vaughn now that Jose Braves is gone, going to first base. They've already told Eloy, leave your glove at home. You're not playing the field. Thank goodness. Uh, so, like they, they're right now, roster resource has Oscar Colas, uh, who I don't think is necessarily starting with the team unless he has a really big spring training uh, as an everyday outfielder. So. I, I do think there's another move coming, but I also think that, like Bubba said, in your draft and hold leagues, uh, Victor Reyes is kind of one of those sneaky guys that are going to give you, you know, a month or two months of like regular playing time when injuries pile up and, and things like that. So uh, definitely has some value late in kind of those kind of leagues. All right, let's uh, let's move on because uh, we got yeah we got a little bit of time, uh, but I want to talk about some of these guys with interesting ADP. So what I did was I just sort in. The uh, NFBC ADP by draft champions, which is what I like to use at this time of year. Uh, that may change to like online championships once those really get rolling. Uh, but uh, make sure you are sorting, right? Sorting oh, by the proper 100%. league type because there's you've got cut lines in there in this new league, uh, uh, the Gladiator League. It keeps getting referenced all over the place. Uh, it's so much fun, guys. You got to try it. I'm telling I'm, you. As soon as I finish my projections, <laughs> I will be jumping in. But... I just did one the other night, and I'm like, I need to do more. It was so much fun. Different. Yeah, that's the conversation I was having with uh, Ian Khan last night. Is I was, uh, you know, talking about some things. Like I wanted, obviously, to do TGFBI, but I'm I'm looking at this year possibly just doing draft and hold and gladiator, and that's it. Because you know, last year Fab was just. Draining way too when you're doing tout, you're doing labor, you're doing your local. It was like way too. So I'm thinking, you know what? If I can, if I can focus NFBC on gladiator and draft and hold, uh, and just worry about lineup on the draft and hold type of situation, and then just the one fab in and TGFBI, uh, and then go the other direction. I think that's what I'm going to do this year because uh, I got stretched thin uh, last year trying to do some things, and I want to try to narrow my focus. Definitely, yeah. So for those who don't know, uh, gladiator. Um, is a format in which you draft your starting lineup. That's it. You no pickups. You, those guys are starting every week uh, in that spot for you, uh, and you are kind of stuck with them. Um, so Kiermaier would be my fifth outfielder. Yeah, yeah. So you want to make sure you're drafting plate appearances things like that. Uh, like I said, I'm waiting personally until I'm done with my projections. I'm not starting another draft uh, until I'm done with my projections. So probably not till the first of the year when. Um, uh, that's when I'm hopefully going to be done with all my projections. Uh, but uh, draft champions is a little bit more, you know, uh, irrelevant, I think, to most leagues. So that's why we're going to be referencing that. Uh, if you're following along on their page, uh, I sorted from uh, November 15th on. Um, and one of the first things that jumps out to me right now, there are no first round pitchers. Now, pitching prices always go up as we get in the draft season. But it's still a little shocking to see no first-round pitchers in the first 15 picks. Uh, Bubba, I'll start with you on this. Does that surprise you, and what are you doing with this? Because you work with a guy who loves to take first-round pitchers. Oh, he's loving this right now. He's yeah. enjoying life. He's like, I used to have to take a top three pick to get Garrett Cole. Oh, I can wait till round two. It's amazing. Um, it, as you said, it will change. It will 100% change. It's very surprising, though. I didn't even realize it until I, I saw the outline. I went and opened up the ADP page. Right. I'm like, wow, wow. Because it just, you know, your I guess your brain's just trained to know that there's like two or three guys going in the first round at least. 
what I've noticed, and I've only done like a couple drives, nothing like a lot of the maniacs out there. Um, the hitting is getting moved up so much because everyone's talking about third base wasteland, which is true. Uh, outfield in a five outfield league, it dries up quicker than you think. It really does. And and there's some elite outfielders. And if you look at the ADP, you got your judges, you got your Julios, your Cunhas, your Tuckers, and everybody. They're all there, and that all flying off the board. Um, everybody's emphasizing those five category guys a lot, lot more to fill those positions. And we kind of noticed last year with pitching, there's the elite pitcher still. There's no question about that. But there is a lot of depth out there, too. There's a lot of depth. As you're doing these drafts, like, you're not all warm and fuzzy about some of the depth, but you could go to battle with some of the depth in a fantasy league. And I think that's what people are seeing at this point in time. Uh, we'll wait and see. Obviously, Burns will get moved up. Cole will get moved up. And they'll go from there. But I was very surprised to see it. I get it. I just I, I think it's going to make for some fun builds for sure because the old days you you felt like you had to leave like the first two at least three rounds with the one potential ace you can almost wait till round four now and so it's like the old days almost it's almost coming back so it'll be fun to see how that continues out. Chase, what are your thoughts on no first round pitchers so far? It's first of the other crazy part about it is Edwin Diaz is the fourth pitcher off the board. Not against Edwin Diaz, but the fact that a closer is now the fourth pitcher off the board by current ADP to me is crazy. But uh, you know, one of the things I thought of as I looked at this this morning, and Justin, thanks for opening my eyes to that, because I, like Bubba, I didn't know that that's how things, because I haven't done any offseason drafting yet. Yeah. And so I haven't been looking at ADP. I usually wait a little bit. But you know, th this fantasy baseball in and of itself tends to be a very reactionary uh sport, activity, whatever it is, right? So it's like, what happened last year to drive the behavior this winter? Because, you know, we saw that, oh, starting pitching was such a premium in 2021, so it was drafted as such in 2022. Uh, and then this past season, as we look at the, as we look how pitching played out, uh, some studs were studs, some guys took steps forward, but then some of the other guys I didn't see any unusual pitching activity that would drive me to this, that would change this. So it's, it's, it's Burns going first, then it's Cole, then it's uh, Alcantara, and then it's Diaz. That's your fourth pitcher. Then Dylan Cease is five. And Dylan Cease was a very, uh, <laughs> a very uh, polarizing figure last year at this time. And now he's the fifth pitcher off the board uh, with it. So it's like, to me, it's like, what, what happened where this, what happened last year that's driving this this year so far but when you guys both say things are going to change that i do agree with because it just could be a bunch of noise right now but let's see you know let's see what happens you know when the when the bigger uh cash prize pool drafts start happening when the main event like what happens there because that's always a big needle mover let's see what happens at labor when you know uh, some of us are gathered there because some of this did play out in the xfl draft and we had the xfl draft uh, at first pitch arizona um Offense was crazy, uh, and I would like parallel to this, but offense price, offensive prices were high, and pitching prices uh, were high on the high end, and there were a lot of value late in the draft, but that is also a dynasty. Like, I, like I got Charlie Morton for a single-digit number, and I was yeah. kind of surprised because I'm, I'm playing for this year in that league because I took over the the back-to-back -back champion team from Don Drucker, and it's still at a very solid core, so I'm not thinking about the future. I'm thinking about now, and so to get Charlie Morton for 9 bucks, I'm like, sweet, I'll take that all day long. Um, even though it's only a one-year thing for me. Um, but I just, looking back so far, I'm struggling to make the connection between what happened last year to make people this aggressive on hitting. Uh, but if you're a pitching guy, like if you're Toby or if you're Nick, you know, it's like, oh, sweet, I could get yep. what I want early on and not have to reach for any of these guys. This is awesome.
Yeah, he can go JTR in the first round now and then go get two pitchers. He's going to be ecstatic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, he'll have to go JTR in the second round. Yeah, he's he's flying up boards too. Yeah, he's uh, he's right now uh, Real Muto. It's a good question with him, though. With Real Muto, though, it's like you know, I, I've heard, and Bubba, this may be something that you and Toby may have even talked about on the podcast, but you know, were talking about how Philadelphia used him at DH a lot to help get his yeah. at-bats. But they Harper's going to eat up all that. Har- when yeah. Harper comes back, Once he's going to eat up back. all that. Yeah. What, what we kind of thought is if Harper comes back like two and a half to three months in, that's still two and a half to three months where JT could probably DH at least twice a week, and now you accumulate all that. Which we just care about stats in the end. That's all we care Correct. about in this game. Yeah. So you start doing that, and you shave his legs to catch for the second half of the season instead of them spreading it out through a whole season. That like, we just got a 2020 catcher for crying out loud. Like, how did yeah. that? When, did we ever think we would ever see that again? When quote unquote post steroids era? Like, did we ever right. think we'd see that again? So it's only nice. only the second time it's happened in the history of baseball. 2020 right. catchers. So yeah, like, I agree. I agree with that point. It's like it. The longer Harper takes to come back, uh, that'll help, and we can get to Harper in a little bit. But I, what I remember listening to you guys the other day, yeah. uh, thinking about that, it's like once Harper does come back, that's his role. That's, that's it. All he's out. not yeah. going to play it's the gone. field. <laughs> yeah, it's gone, and he's not going to sit out. He's going to play all seven days a week if that's what they play. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so here's the thing with the, with the starting pitchers uh, not going in the first time. They will. They're, they're going to build up. But I think what this speaks to is, uh, one, what uh, Bubba was just saying in terms of, uh, you know, hitters getting moved up, especially the five categories. But I think it has more to do with there not really being a consensus on who, True. like, the elite guys, quote-unquote, are, right? I mean, you've got all these guys who are kind of jumping into the fray, like the Spencer Striders of the world, you know, and I think it's mudding up the pool. Like, you know, we're seeing Jacob deGrom go way later than we're used to seeing him. Uh, you know, I think this will even out, especially as people really start to kind of uh, more drafts happen, people dig into the ADP. Because ADP will set the market on a, a lot of this stuff, um, and some guys are going to emerge. Whether it's the Dylan Ceases or the Spencer Striders, and and those guys will help push up the the top part of the pool. I have in in the three, well, two and a half drafts I've done. So I've done two full drafts in the half draft over at uh, at First Pitch Arizona. Um, in two of those three drafts, uh, I took a starting pitcher in the first round. Um, I have no problem doing it. And in, in Arizona, uh, I went uh, pocket aces, channeling my inner bat flip crazy uh, because I had the wheel. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take Cole and Burns lock it and just lock it up. Um, so like, I've got no problem doing it. If you're in a league that, you know, a, a first round pitcher is viable. Like, I don't think this is a bad year, especially because while everybody else is fine fighting for those kind of new hot guys, you can lock up the guy you want early on. Real quick, uh, just before we move on, is what Jason said about it being reactionary. That's one hundred percent what this is. We look at like the fact Alcantara's third great pitcher, third starting pitcher, Cease the fourth starting pitcher off the board or whatever. Like, let's be realistic. Cease is a guy that he's a couple walks away from being back to the old Dylan Cease. Like we know who Dylan Cease is, and he's still a great pitcher, but he really put it together last year, kind of prove it again. But um, what Justin said about the the pocket aces or just taking one early, it will come back to that just because. People are kind of doing the reactionary drafts now. They'll start doing their research. There's a great little piece in the the forecaster for HQ where um, I for, totally forget who did it. I feel bad. But he talks about the different, like, first five-round ideas, catcher early, two pitchers, whatever, and the percentage of wins and OCs and main events with that. Most of the main leagues still needed at least one ace out the gate. 
Yeah. And they just hmm. prove how important an ace is because we're not stupid. We all know why they're that important. And yeah. it, it backed it up in the numbers. So once people start doing more of their research, it will kind of come back to work. See, I'm reality. old school. I wait until the I wait until the, the print forecaster hits my hand and yeah. start reading. I, I have the PDF. haven't even read it yet. So. I've only read these because we Bloom and I interviewed like five of them for our show. Nice. So that's the only reason why. I, and they're way smarter. These stats guys are way smarter than I am. So I, they, they, they broke it down. And it was very eye-opening to – all the different people saying don't do this do and the numbers backed it up it was right there that's what's so important right. i mean when i'm looking at the when i'm looking now we have 40 pitchers inside the top 100 so the top 100 you know it's roughly eight rounds uh just over eight rounds in a 12 team format this is a 60 40 split that's kind of what i would expect it's kind of normal uh, with that yeah, yeah. Uh, so at the end it gets there and then you look at some of the in-round volatility in some of these guys like spencer strider's got a 50 difference between his min and max 16 yeah. and 66 Aaron Nola 25 and 57 and this is just draft champions yeah. uh so to me it's just like I, I honestly I just think it's it's it noisy Sandy Alcantara for all the good he was 15 and 43 that's a lot of noise uh in 33 drafts that, I mean, that's really a lot of noise between min and max and just want to keep an eye on how that you know how that works out but it's kind of crazy um, how that's playing out right right now to see that type of gap between this uh, and some of these guys. It's like, wow. I, I think these disparities can you really uh, like inform how you want to draft, right? If you are the type of person who goes, hey, you know, I'm going to take a, it's going to take advantage of kind of a weak market and get like the number one pitcher off the board at the back end of the first round, you can. If you're the type of person who goes, you know what, I like to load up on offense and I'm just going to wait on my ace. This is a great year to do that too. Just have a plan when you're heading into these drafts because uh, things so are going to be runs. Yeah, they're going to be a lot of guys are waiting. So now mm -hmm. you want to be caught in the run. The yellow brick road is still there. It's just starting a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, Poor than Colton. It, yeah, you <laughs> still. So, uh, all right, let's uh, let's talk about uh, some individual guys. Uh, and I mean, the first thing that jumped off the page to me is that Fernando Tatis Jr., in spite of suspension, coming off of injury. Um, is still being drafted in the top 20. His uh, ADP since uh, November 15th is 18, 18 flat. Uh, Jason, are you drafting Fernando Tatis Jr. even close to that? This is me shaking my head. You may hear it coming through the microphone. No! Uh, it's just like there are so many different indicators looking in a bad direction. You know, the suspension. How is he going to handle the the coming off the suspension that he's coming off of from when he's on the road and how is the home fan base going to treat him uh with that as well coming off of two major surgeries coming off a full year away from live baseball there's so many things there and the only tax that the industry has said is basically okay we'll knock you around to me that's it's crazy but then you look at you go look at the steamer projections and you're like mm -hmm. oh yeah, that's what's driving it. 37 home runs, 90 plus runs, 90 plus RBIs, 20 steals, 280. And it's like, to me, that's really optimistic. And it's not, it's no knock against the, the guy's talent, but there are there are too many risk factors there for me to be like, I'm only knocking this guy down around. It's it's one of these things where I let somebody else take the risk. And if it works out for him, you tip your hat, be like, you know, you earned it, you took the risk, uh, enjoy the reward. But for me, I don't I this is not how I want to make my second pick. Uh, you know, there's there's other safer options. Maybe if I'm looking to say, okay, fine, I'm going to take my starter in that second round. I'm going to take my hitter, then get my starter. Um, because, you know, this kind of thing also discounts. It could go the other way, too. 
uh, let's say, you know, as we were talking about, uh, you know, talking earlier in the podcast, like, hey, where do you want to, where do you want to take, um, drawing a blank on his name, uh, Senga? You want to take Senga? Well, if you're taking Tatis, you're gonna have a really tough time taking Senga. If Senga's somebody you want to target, can you take both of those risks in the first six to eight rounds of a draft? It's, you know, up to you. I tend not to be that guy. I'm also not the guy who's walked away with a main event title. I have won league titles, but I haven't won the big money titles. Uh, so it's up to you. But it's like, how much risk do you want to assume? Uh, and to me, there's too many red flags here to say he's only getting a one round discount. If Tatis is going at pick 18 in the beginning of December, by the time we get to February and March, when drafts are really getting up, he is a sure. First round pick, Bubba, is he even close to that to you? No, no, it's what Jason said. I'm a safe drafter. I'll take my chances later in drafts. I know a guy's banged up already. He's already been missing games due to his suspension and a hat tip to Ian Khan. He appears to be a knucklehead. So, like, we really <laughs> do, we, do we really want, like, because his own team keeps signing high free agent players to take his positions. I'm not right. saying he can't play the outfield. That's what he's going to play now, obviously, with Bogarts there. But they were very, very aggressive in feeling, filling his spots on the roster. So they might even be concerned, like, well, how long are we going to have him for? When's he going to get hurt again? When's he going to go ride a motorcycle? I don't – it feels like there's some trust issues there too, which rightfully so. So um, the, the talent is undeniable. But when it comes to this season, it's like I don't know what we're getting. And if I'm taking a potential late first round, early second round pick, I would like to have a little idea of knowing what I'm getting come opening day and you just don't with Fernando, and that, that's the problem for me. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. Like, he's very unlikely to end up on any of my teams, especially if you're playing in leagues with no IL spot like NFBC or limited IL spots like most home leagues. Most home leagues are running with, you know, three, four, five IL spots. You just can't risk. Is he an IL up. spot, though, because he's suspended? Or No, I, I just mean when he comes back. Like, oh, you gotcha, know, because gotcha, I, gotcha, I'm, yeah. I'm still not just like saying like he's coming back completely healthy. We have no idea. Yeah. You know, Jason and I both have had shoulder issues throughout our lives. Like we know how these things, uh, even after surgery, can can kind of reoccur. Like well, I shoulder and wrist yep. and a full year layoff. Yeah. It, like I said, there's just so many red flags. And when you look at some other things, you know, if you're going to be a safe drafter, we talked about how his ADP, how Tatis Jr.'s ADP is 18. Well, that's the min pick. For JT Real Muto. Yeah, and that's you know, that's where that is. If you want to go with the volume, you know, Marcus Simeon has done nothing but play almost yep. every day for five years. And Simeon's ADP is at 39. So it's like if I'm gonna do the build, I'm taking the hitter, I'm taking that pitcher and skip it on Tatis where he's currently going, and then looking to get Simeon and three early four, that's yep. there for me. Uh, and like I said, Simeon has missed all of three, 10, 11 games in the past five seasons. And he's in a better lineup now. The lineup's gotten better around him. Yeah, guys go out ahead of him. Uh, Freddie Freeman, Bo Bichette, uh, Manny Machado. Uh, got three guys going behind him. Rafael Devers, Pete Alonzo, Austin Riley. I'm, I'm go one farther back. Guys. Would you rather take the injury potential risk of a Mike Trout five, six picks later or go Tatis? I think I'm taking Trout personally. But that's where it gets, it gets interesting. I think that that becomes the real question, yeah. which really doesn't mean that like I'm necessarily out on him, but I'm probably not going to take either of them to be honest. Um, yeah. So how did how did uh how does Mike Trout have a max pick of seventy four in a draft champions format? 
Um, yeah. Fun times, Jason. You should, wow. you're, you're making, this, this is this scratching your itch to try to like? I got to take advantage of this right now. I got to get in the Kind of does. <laughs> I mean, seventy four. He had thirteen as a min and seventy four as a max. That's it's wow, crazy man. It's crazy. Wow, wow, Some wow. of these drafts. Some of these drafts. Yeah, you, you kind of wish you were in these yes. those drafts. That's that is crazy. I would have been um, screaming at my computer, like, "Oh my god, let me have, let me look, come on, keep dropping, keep dropping." <laughs> Wouldn't have made it past forty-five in any draft that uh, you and I are in. But um, all right, let's uh, let's keep it rolling uh, and talk about uh, a guy I've already referenced uh, once or twice. That's Jacob Degrom. I mean, on a per inning basis, he is the best pitcher in baseball. He's currently going outside of the top two rounds. That part of that is the pitching being pushed down. But man, I can't imagine he's going to stay there for very long, especially now that he's signed. Bubba, where are you at on Jacob DeGrom? It's another one of those tough ones. He's dropped to where he's dropped because of the injury concerns. It's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that's why he's there. But you said it. We, I think we can all agree per innings pitch, per whatever you want, what stat you want, he's legit the best, if not one of the best pitchers in baseball. Like there's no denying any of that. It's just how many innings is he going to go out there and pitch? And he's pitching in a phenomenal pitcher's ballpark now. Yeah, that was a big, big upgrade. They're going to that trash can in Texas. So um, that's going to be good for him as well. I have no problem with it. I'd rather have him over McClanahan and Charlie Strider right there, which is tough to say out loud because I do like Strider a lot. But that was a fun discussion at FPAS. Like Jason was in the room. We had, had him talk about Shane McClanahan. There's a bunch of question marks there with the way he finished his season, injuries just production-wise. So I like DeGrom there, and he's going to move up. He is going to move up in drafts. He's going to get his bump. Once we see, you know, one spring training bullpen in early February or something, we, we saw it last year with the Mets. He got the bump. So he's fine. I, I like him there. I, I'd be happy to get him right there. Jason, where are you at on DeGrom? Yeah, pure. Uh, I mean, I don't know what you guys are talking about for injuries. I mean, the guy has thrown 224 endings. Oh, wait, that's over the past three seasons. My bad. Uh, my bad. Total. I, I, I hit some. Uh, with that, but yeah, when he's healthy, it's amazing. Uh, for that, and we saw that run 2017 to 2019, and knowing what we know about the baseball, uh, during that time for him to do what he did, kind of like Pedro Martinez, uh, it really, oh, you take the step forward. But I was trying to look when I look at the current uh, ADP of pitchers and trying to see, like, okay, there he sits. If I passed on him, what else could I possibly do? And honestly, like, the name that I keep looking at. Uh, is Zach Wheeler uh, would be the guy. Like if I'm going to pass on DeGrom, I can wait around right now and get Wheeler in a 12 team. That's what I would do. Uh, You know, it's, you know, we keep talking about mitigating risk and that's, that's what you have to do. Uh, There's only so much of it that you can take on. And if this is going to be your first starting pitcher and the guy hasn't sniffed more than 92 innings since 2019, uh, it's it's really tough to pull the trigger. I can't I can't do it. Again, I know somebody out there is going to do it. Um, you know, the ballpark condition, the fact that he's gonna go play the outside of that park does look like a trash can, but the inside is great. It is one of my favorite parks inside. Outside I've heard, is like I've heard really good things about it. Yeah. It is a great ballpark inside. Uh so and then you know, with the with the schedule again, it's balanced. So he's not gonna get all of that niceness playing Oakland a bunch. Uh, and but he's also at the same time not going to have to pitch against the Astros uh, five six times, the, so it all kind of balances out there. But change of scenery, all that stuff kind of comes into play. This isn't the risk. I cannot pull the trigger uh, on him as my SP one at the pri- at the market price he's going right now. He's going into third round by ADP, but he's gone as early as early second round or mid second round, and that's not going to be me. And that that will get pushed up as the rest of the pitcher oh, yeah. get pushed up. Uh, here's the thing for me: like I, 
<laughs> I want to draft him everywhere seeing this price. Um, it it has to come with a plan, like right? Like if you're gonna draft DeGrom, you need another ace. You gotta go pocket aces with DeGrom. Yeah. 100%. So either you're either you're going pocket aces or you're going, you know, two, three, right? You're taking a Trey Turner or Jose Ramirez, getting uh getting him uh, DeGrom in the second round and then in the third round, you're taking the best dates on the board. Uh, and you want to take guys that you feel really comfortable about the volume. But, but that's a hard that's a hard balance to walk. I don't know that I, I'm sure he will end up on a team of mine, but he is not a target of mine necessarily. I think it just depends on the price, depends on how I want to build that particular draft. But you know, doing projections, it's so stark. Like uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing all my projections right now. Um, and you know. If I give him 104 innings, which like isn't like a huge amount of innings, he is far and away the best pitcher in baseball. Yep. Like it's 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 not even close. Um, and so it's really hard for me to completely walk away from that talent. But if you're playing in a deeper league, you may want to because you need that volume to compete in the in those leagues. If you're playing in a 10 or a 12 team league, go for it. Fucking go for it, because I mean you'll be able to figure out the rest. Hundred percent. I think the Wheeler comp's a good one. Wheeler and Nola have been two guys I've targeted when I'm passing on the ground pretty easily. Like they're they're both guys. You talking volume? They both get you the volume. So yep. I'm a big fan of that. And massive yeah. run support. I mean, yep. That's, yep. they're going to have massive run support when that big when player. that whole team is fully healthy. Uh, and if they if they're going to get you volume, getting back to Rob Silver's point, yep. volume pitchers on good teams equal wins. Yep. Bingo, we're full circle, folks. Good show. <laughs> Another guy who uh, I didn't even realize this when I was putting the rundown. Oh, I thought you did this to taunt me. How many injury guys are on this? Um, but Jazz Chisholm uh, has an ADP that was really surprising to me, considering how much time he has missed uh, over the course of his major league career. He's currently going at pick 42 there, Bubba. What are you doing with Jazz Chisholm, your boy? It really sucks to say I don't have any shares of Jazz Chisholm right now. Um, I love Jazz. I and he was I one of my I don't know if it's bold prediction, but I was saying he was a 25-25 guy last now last year, and he was well on his way to that. That was a, a beautiful thing, but eventually you look at track record, and it's just been one thing after the other. 124 games in 2021 is awesome. That that's the most we've seen. He, he put up 18 and 23. It's great. I'm just concerned, like, how how much is he going to play? And that's a question because he's kind of proved it now in three years. The injuries are a thing. I still love him. I think the talent's great. I, I'd rather take a, a chance on Jazz at this point than Tatis in the first round, potentially. I'll say that much. Um, but it is scary to see what might happen with Jazz. If he can stay healthy, though, he's going to be a phenomenal pick. I don't have any shares, like I said, right now. The only reason why I think guys are forcing it up there with all the short stops you see going early People are like, I need to go get me some jazz and, and see where, where we go with that to kind of fill that void. And plus, stolen bases eventually start drying up as you go farther down that board. So it's another re reason why people chase jazz. And now he's only second base eligible this year. So never mind, yeah. cancel that one out. That makes it e That's another reason then right out the gate. Second base is a fun one. So no no jazz for me. Love jazz. Um, I might get some if he falls in drafts. But at that price, it's too rich for me. The juice is not worth the squeeze in that one. That really sucks because he's – He's fun just to have on your team and root for it because, man, when you get to watch those highlights of Jazz, you get pumped for your fantasy team. So, yeah, I love me some Jazz. What about you, Jason? This time last year, there was a lot of debate whether he was even worth a top 75 pick. Uh, like I remember <clears throat> Bubba 
James Anderson, me, few others were like on the we're on the jazz train. We were there, and a lot of people were like, no, no, no. Like his his 2021 numbers were really front loaded, and to be fair, they were. Like he got really hot out of the gate April May, and then kind of limped towards the finish line uh, with things as he as he battled. So it's and then you know last year he ends up with the lower back stress fracture, right? Is that what the injury was? Yep. Right. Yep. And so we missed a ton of time, but I had jazz everywhere last year. And so that was, that was a killer. Uh, I even had him in, in the, in the league I won. So I was like, yeah, I, I, I held on despite losing him among some other stars. So, you know, he got, he had kind of similar front loaded numbers was struggling a little bit, but then we figured, okay, maybe it was the back after all. Uh, and that kind of did him in. But after all that, we're saying he, he, you know, increased his value from a, maybe a top 75 pick. Now he's in the top 50. That me, that doesn't vibe. And I like this guy. That's the thing. I like yep. him. And I'm having a really tough. tough time understanding this one. It's tough. It's very tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I can't do it. Like, I just can't do it. I'm sorry. Like, it's just, I love Jazz's woman. Like, Bubba said, like, he is a fun guy to watch because I mean, nobody's in the end. Fantasy is supposed to be fun, like, it make is it supposed fun. to be fun, so. <laughs> but you know what's not fun is only getting 200 or 300 plate appearances, lighting from your money your, on fire from your third fun. round pick. Um, <laughs> on a per like, again, he's another one of these guys, like I just said about DeGrom, like, on a, on a per plate appearance basis, like, he is fantastic for your fantasy team. So, if you're playing in a 10 team league or even a 12 team league with lots of IL spots, um, it makes sense, but. He's one of those guys, like, if you take him, then you can't take some of these other injury-prone guys because they will just clog up whatever IL spots you have, if you have IL spots. Uh, and I just – it's such a hard thing to do. But, mm -hmm. I mean, he's – I mean, you look what he did in, like, 200 plate appearances last year. You go, ooh. Yeah. You, you multiply that by three, and like you start dreaming on a, an amazing 30-30 type season – uh, I just don't know that we can book him for more than 400 plate appearances at this point. Yeah, and if you want to play the old fun game, well, I got the front-loaded stats here, like Jason said, which is 100% true. Well, now I can just replace him with someone, and we get this awesome second baseman. You can try to talk yourself into that, but again, what Jason said is that was when we were picking him at pick 75. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's, it's, it's a little different game now. It's it's amazing to me that he's gone up so much in spite of missing so much time, especially like with uh, Altuve going five picks later. Yeah, and then oh. this other guy we're about to talk about, who I'm 100 percent in on. Like yeah. these are two second basements I feel a lot quote unquote safer with than Jazz, which really hurts to say. Yeah, let's talk about Ozzy Albies because he is going to pick 52, uh, which is you know cheaper than what we're you know seeing on in uh, on uh, Jazz Chisholm and. Albies, yes, he had a disaster season. He had injuries that just derailed the whole year, uh, but he also struggled prior to the injuries, and so I can understand why he's continuing to drop and drop and drop uh, in some of these drafts. Jason, where are you at on Aussie Albies? Uh, I'm all about trying to get guys back on a discount, but at the same time, the season was just so bad. It's like I, I don't know. Coming off of where he was, you know, the 30-20 season, where he went, and now he had such a disappointing season, yet he's still in the top 50. Even though you said he's still dropping, he's still going in top 50. Uh, I, I keep going back to the risk card. I don't want to play that risk. That means I'm taking one of my top four picks. It would, it would depend. I'm not totally writing them off. It would just depend what I did with my other three picks uh, in the first three rounds. So if I am, you know, 
and either in 12 or 15, he's going in the fourth round. And it depends how I built the rest of that because the upside is still very strong uh, with that. And you know, he could be, I forget exactly, where was Swanson hitting last year? Uh, it was ninth until Albies got hurt and then he went to the top of the order. Okay. So let's say Albies, took it, Albies gets back up there. It's like there's a potential for him to have a huge season if everything stays healthy. And last year was last year and he puts it way in the rearview mirror. Uh, but also, again, I can't take that risk if I've already assumed some risk in my first three picks. Like if I've taken a DeGrom, Albies is out. I can't take, I can't light that money on fire like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all about Albies buying him on the dip or whatever you the, the proper phrase is these days because he was a former first or second round pick. I, I, I'm yeah. a fan of that. I think the talent's still there. It was a down year, 100%. Like his O swing jumped 7 or 8% last year compared to his normal, but he still didn't strike out a ton. Like his contact rates are still pretty solid. Um, and we know how, like guys that, that chase balls out of the zone more, well, you're not hitting the balls well. That's just common sense knowledge there. So hopefully we see him kind of come back to earth. The biggest concern that Jason hit on is he's not going to be at the top of the order as, like he used to be, and that's a big thing. But really, really good Braves lineup too. So uh, a lot can come in, into his favor. There's the total at bats is going to shrink. I'm buying it though. I'm buying it. It's just uh, the guy's too good. It was 30, 20 his last full season. We saw the power increase year after year. The speed's there. We know Atlanta's going to run. We see what Harris does, Acuna does. That's a team that's athletic. They're, they're going to be putting up a ton of runs. And I think always going to be a big part of it. So I, I'm buying back in at the discount. Um, maybe I'm a foolish one on this one, but this is one where I will take the, take the chance. I've already drafted him multiple times this I year. I have him in all three of my leagues, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. I have him in all three of my leagues right now. Yeah, I'm gonna continue to do it. Like I just yeah. a guy who's willing to take in the top, you know, twelve, top fifteen last year, going outside the top fifty. Like I I'm just gonna I'm gonna take the gamble. And you know, uh, I know it might be a little bit silly, but I would assume that at this point the injuries are a little bit behind him and now it's just a matter of can he get back to he doesn't even need to get back to what we saw in 2021. Like he, if he's just, if he's a 2020 guy, like at second base, like I, I'm going to take that all day long. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think there's a whole lot that needs to be added to that uh, because there's another guy who's potentially 2020, but with a much worse batting average than it's your guy. Uh, <laughs> this is my dude. Uh, O'Neill Cruz uh, is going at pick 67 right now on NFBC. Uh, draft champions leagues and as much as i love o'neill cruz i don't know if i can buy this can you bubba i can't and this is one that's tougher though because when we talk ceiling picks like we know what o'neill cruz can do at ceiling problem is you got to hit the baseball to do this and james anderson is one of the smartest uh, prospect guys you'll see out there and he's drilled into my head if they strike out at this level they're gonna strike out at this level so on and so forth we well, didn't really strike out a ton at triple a in his final you know ramp up to come into the bigs but he strikes out a ton in the bigs. He makes he has a tough time making contact. Um, it's impressive when he hits. He hits it a long, long ways. I'm going to wait a little longer and miss the bus on this one if it happens this year. That's all I'm going to say. Jason, where are you at on, on my boy O'Neill Cruz? All right, so your boy O'Neill Cruz, uh, his splits are interesting. Against righties, he struck out 67 times in 230 at bats. Uh, against lefties, he struck out 59 times in 101 at bats. So it's like he he was striking out against lefties over half the time. Uh, 53% strikeout rate against against lefties. So it's but Pittsburgh's going to leave him in there. So you know, your point about batting average, 
if he's going to stay in there, he's going to play every day. Uh, and if, if he doesn't get – and his overall contact is bad, but it's really bad when lefties are in the play. So if he's going to stay in there and get that exposure to lefties, there's no chance that that contact rate's going to get any better because that's going to be in, in the equation, which is going to drag down his batting average. Yes, he could hit 20 home runs. Yes, he could steal 20 – any, any of this stuff is possible – but what is it? What price does it come at? It's like when I look at those type of numbers. Uh, you know, if you've ever done minor league searching uh, stats, it's one of the most fascinating minor league lines I've ever seen. Uh, outside of like Reggie Abercrombie, uh, which would be like a right-handed version of this, so I'm dating myself here. But go back and look at Glen Allen Hill in the minor leagues. There was a particular season Glen Allen Hill had a massive, and I want to look it up here because it, it was so hilarious what his numbers were like in the minor leagues uh, with similar problems. But Glen Allen Hill, one particular season in the minor leagues, had a season where he hit, ah, here it is, uh, stole hit 20 home runs, stole 42 bases, and hit 210. Struck out 211 times in 530 plate appearances. This was 1985 in A-ball. Uh, but like that, so O'Neill Cruz has all of the skills, all of the talents, except the ability to make consistent contact. And I, I just have the fear that Pittsburgh will leave him in there every day and he will face lefties, you know, come hell or high water. And it's going to put a hard cap on his batting average. And the rest of your team better be able to absorb that hard cap because if he's going to get like 650, you know, 600 plus plate appearances and it's going to hit 220, you better be able to make up for that elsewhere. Man, this one's tough for me because he's my boy. He's my he's my I I love O'Neill Cruz. Uh and like the contact numbers in the zone weren't that bad, and they got better as the season went on a little bit. Oh, listen to listen to this talking himself oh into it. My God. I, I just don't know that I can do the price. Like this is a guy who should be going probably outside the top 100 that's going inside the top 100. I know the upside is huge. Um he will end up on a couple of my teams. Just, I mean, just because I love the guy so much, but it, this feels really, really expensive. Um, and when I do end up doing my my hitter projections on Cruz, I'll have a better idea of, uh, of exactly where uh, I'd be willing to take him. I, I'm not completely in, especially on the price, but I'm definitely not out because, I mean, I, I do think that he could potentially be like a 30-20 guy um, this season. Uh, like it would not surprise me at all. The pro the problem becomes, what does the strikeout rate look like, and what does the batting average look like? Because the batting average, I mean, if you're in a league where you're punting batting average, go for it, absolutely go for it. Yeah. Uh, but if batting average is important to you, if you're playing in a head to head points league and strikeouts are a negative for you, um, those are some things that are that can really crush you uh, from O'Neill Cruz. All right. Uh, OPM is a hell of a drug, man. You know what it is. <laughs> uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, we'll, we'll do glass now and Bryce Harper very, very quickly. Um, I'm going to yeah. put them together. Uh, Harper's obviously going to be missing half the season. He's going to pick 114. Glass now coming on the first full season back from Tommy John, going pick 83. I will tell you, I am completely out on both of them for this season. Uh, Bubba, what about you on these guys? I was hoping on a better discount for Glass now. That terrifies me. Like the talents there, we saw what he could do with the injury and just to ramp up back going. Jason, I have a much better thought on this. I think being the Rays guy, but I, I can't pay a top 100 pick for that right now. And Harper, he continues to fall. He's got like a lead balloon to him right now in drafts. I get it. 
I get it. Yeah, I get it. I 100% get it. It's like, but you keep staring at him like in round 10. You're like, oh man, I should take him around. Thir- oh, I, I have not taken him yet. I can't do it because that's literally the best case scenario. He's back around the all-star break. They're saying maybe a little earlier. That's over half. That's like half the season almost over. So yeah, I'm probably out on both as well. It was to me, it was absurd where Harper was going early. It yeah. just yeah. We all knew he was having a surge. It was absurd that he was going as high as he was early. He should continue to drop. Uh, because you know, even one of my best friends, huge Phillies fan, when the news broke, I was like, Father's Day, that'll be your Father's Day present. That's when he's coming back. And he goes, Yeah, that's what I feel too. Uh, is around that. But you know, with with Glassdale, I you know, the, the min 46 high 100. We're a year removed away from watching you know Verlander take a year off to recover, a year and a half off to come back and then come back and shove and win the Cy Young. Uh, but he also has a lot more uh, experience with that. At least, you know, Glassnow, they gave him the two-year deal because at least it, it feels like they wanted to stay in Tampa Bay for at least the full season. Uh, and the fact that he did come back and pitch last year, you know, even though it was small and then a little bit in the postseason, that was still experience, and he gets a role that. So he'll be that much further removed from the actual surgery. Uh, you know, velocity was still there. The only thing we didn't see when he came back was the – wasn't the same type of command, but the stuff still looked really, really good. Um, and so for me, it's just like one of these guys, like if we were talking earlier about DeGrom, you know, with DeGrom where he's going, I can't take the risk there. But if, if glass now, if I, if I've, if I'm sitting there and I'm in round five and he's still there, he's probably going to be my SP two uh, at that point, because I can take, because of the upside, we know what he's capable of there. Uh, you would have to hope that, injury issue they're just going to pitch him out they're paying him a lot of money they're going to pitch him out and then pitch him out and move him out i know it sounds kind of crass but pitch him out and move him out uh and so to me it's there there's not going to be any kind of oh we're going to keep you on this pitch count he rides he runs he eats uh and they're going to let him do it Uh, and so to me i feel a lot more comfortable and i would say the same thing for him if he was on any other team any other competitive team i'm not not, like on the nationals forget it but it's it's to remove the guy from the team you know that's where i that's where I am. If you look around, uh, you know, what's behind him. If you if you're gonna kick the can and say, Yeah, I'm gonna wait, then your next guy up is Darvish, then it's Christian Javier, then it's Framber Valdez, then it's Tristan McKenzie, and then there's Robbie Ray. Uh, and then there's George Kirby uh, as well. George Kirby is moving his way up there. Uh, so that's what you're looking at if you decide to kick the can down the road and say, you know what, yeah, Darvish is definitely safer, but Darvish doesn't have we saw Darvish's upside last year. He he rediscovered it, but Darvish is not going to go up another level from there. Glass now absolutely could go up another level from where he's been. Well, I'm glad we got Jason's input. That's what I was saying. I want to hear his thoughts on it because I am very curious about Glass now. So yeah, that will open yeah. my eyes to maybe dig in deeper on that. That's for sure. I can't do it. I just can't. Um, all right. That will wrap us up for this episode. Bubba, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I always love talking with you guys, seeing you guys, and enjoy chatting it up. So anytime, so thanks, thanks for having me again. Absolutely. Remind everybody where you reach and then just give us the whole list and rundown of what you got going on. Just follow me on Twitter at BDN Trick. You'll, you'll get all the goodies there. Just bench with Bubba, gaining the edge fantasy. Go find everything else. It's all out there. So thanks for having me, guys. It's always fun. Jason, where can you reach? What are you working on? Uh, I'm at Jason Collette. Pick a social media platform. That's what it is. You can find me there. Uh, so I'm still working on wrapping up the Rotowire player capsules. I think I have my last 10 guys. Uh, so there's, I, I believe it's like, Todd Zola, myself, and James Anderson may have been splitting uh, 
a good chunk of them. So if you're oh, a and you read the player capsules, uh, let it let you, if you don't like one, let me know. I'll be able to tell you, oh yeah, I wrote that one. Uh, you, you can pretty much tell the ones I write. Uh, I tend to you know, use a lot of the same uh, idioms I use here. Uh, I will say there's still some good in him uh, type of thing. So you'll, you'll see the ones that I write. Uh, but I, when I'm looking at what I have left, uh, I have to do guys like Stone Garrett. I get to do Nelson Cruz. That'll be fun. Um, I get to, and then wrap it up with Matthew Libertor. So that's the last guy that I've got, but that's my goal today. And then I'm going to start kicking off the, uh, 2023 bold predictions. That's next. Nice. Those are always, uh, with good. That. always good. Yeah. I love do. I love doing those. I've been writing some things down like, okay, this is what I want to talk about. Uh, so now it's a matter of using that time I have off. Cause I have off from the, uh, uh Christmas Eve until January 3rd. So I've got some time and doing a, road a whole week. I got some time. <laughs> I, I normally don't have that time, but. You know, I was telling Justin before you got on, we're, uh, my son and I are going to uh, Annapolis for the UCF bowl game awesome. uh, on the 28th. So we're driving up and we're going to go over to Kitty Hawk because I've lived in North Carolina eight years and have never been to the Outer Banks. It's kind of oh, stupid. Yeah, but, you gotta go. <laughs> like, awesome. So we're going to make our way up and, and go that way. So we're going to spend some time and, and just, you know, do a little bit of work on the Chromebook uh, as we're staying here and there. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's what I'm up to these days. Awesome. You grace me on Twitter at Justin Mason FWF. B, uh, doing this podcast, Friends of Tennessee Benefits podcast, is re-zooming uh, tomorrow uh, and going to be having a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, right now, I'm working on projections, just a ton of projections. Um, I'm also doing ADP movement stuff over on Fangraphs. Uh, that will wrap it up for us. Uh, for Jason, Bubba, and myself, thank you for listening. Have a fantastic baseball offseason. <laughs>